Welcome to the Expat Empire Podcast, the podcast where you can hear from expats around the world and learn how you can join them. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us today on the Expat Empire Podcast. Before we get to the interview, I want to remind you that we're offering a free consulting call to anyone interested in moving abroad. Whether you're thinking about retiring somewhere warm, starting an international career, or becoming a digital nomad, we're ready to help you think through the next steps in your journey. Send us a message at expatempire.com to schedule your call today. With that said, let's start the conversation. Hi, Steph. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Expat Empire podcast. Hi, David. It's good to see you again. It's been a while. It was a pleasure being on your show quite some months ago by now, but it's good to catch up again and gives us a good chance to get reacquainted. Absolutely. And I'm sure we have more topics to cover as well that we didn't get around to (laughs) addressing when you were on my show. Yeah, definitely. And obviously, um, you know, I know a bit about your story and you've been to a lot of different countries and even more Mm. importantly, perhaps as many different cities. So I know you've seen a lot uh, in your time living abroad. And so I'm really excited to dig into that today. Yeah, me too. Cool. Well, let's get into it. I would first like to just ask you to tell us a bit about your overall background, where you're originally from, where around the world you've lived so far and where you're living right now. Okay. So I'm Steph, originally born in Germany, and that's where I spent the first 20 odd years of my life uh, outside of Munich. Beautiful place, beautiful area. Um, But I... I always had that kind of travel bug and the curiosity about other countries. So I studied languages and then decided to spend a year in the UK uh, once I was done studying in the in Germany. And that year turned into 12. Um, I started in Kent in the southeast of, of England where I went to university. I met my English husband there. And then we moved to London. Um, yeah. And so after 12 years, he got a job offer in California. And so obviously, you know, when someone says, hey, do you want to live in San Francisco? You say yes, especially when you're someone like me who's always curious and right. um, ready for new adventures. And then we moved to the US in 2010 and started in, as I said, San Francisco. And a few years after that, moved to Austin, Texas. Great. <laughs> <So> quite a different... <laughs> And uh, but at that point, I think I was I was getting a bit homesick for Europe, so I decided that um, I wasn't going to stay there, and we relocated back to the UK for a year. Um, realized that we had changed a lot, and I th- I'm sure this is going to be a big chunk of our conversation <laughs> <Probably>. today. Probably, <laughs> <laughs> and went back to Austin, and that's where we are now, and have been for five and. A bit years, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, it's good to get the overview. And especially, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, although forgive me, previous guests, if I'm if I'm missing something, but you might be the first expat that I've talked to that's gone to the United States as opposed to leaving the U.S. for somewhere else or, you know, just being in different <laughs> countries. So for me, as someone from the U.S., and of course, having lived in San Francisco, having gone to university in Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. I'm very familiar with those spots, at least the way they were when I yeah. lived there. And so it's really nice to, yeah, just hear your experience about all of that. So I'm excited to jump into it. You know, I always love that when I talk to expats who now live in Munich, you know, when moved to Munich from the UK or the US or from other places, and I love to hear their perspective. So it's always a, it's always really interesting, isn't it? And you kind of, you look at a place that you know through different eyes. Yeah, exactly. So I guess... When you were kind of growing up and thinking about what was next for you, and especially in your university years, what was the maybe thing that got you to decide to maybe look outside of Germany? I mean, did you have some formative experience that showed you, hey, uh, you know, there's more out there that I want to explore? Or was it just some conversation or a random thing, anything that happened in particular? So I think... The main thing was my love for languages. And I know you you can completely empathize because you, you're a language person too. And um, I just really enjoyed learning languages. And in fact, I taught myself English before I even had it at school. So I started mm. because I just, I knew there was something, especially with English. I learned um, French and Spanish too. And uh, I loved those as well. And just that whole immersion into a different, because I, I, I think I subconsciously probably at a very young age, I just felt like, a language could offer you such a great insight into a culture. And it's just something, 
I just loved that and mm. traveling. And I spent some summers, um, I think from age 15 onwards, probably, um, I would go to other countries for like a language exchange mm. program and things like that. So I was exposed to it quite early on. But I always, in addition to that, want to say that I feel like there is something, some gene that runs in my family. So I've had mm. people in my family from previous generations who have emigrated from Germany to other places or spent some time abroad and learned languages. So I I'd very strongly feel it's mm. not just my me personally, but it's just that's a genetic thing. Right. <laughs> it was just stronger than than anything else. <laughs> yeah, I mean some sometimes there's something there or some story from the family like you said some history that uh, drives us forward but Definitely. Yes. You know, as you were thinking about okay, where where do I go to first or next, I guess. Um how did you stumble upon or decide upon the UK as far as, of course, you've been studying English and so on, but was that the main driver? And what was your thought process, especially in regards to that yeah. specific city? I feel I just always had a connection to to England or I felt that bond. And the US was never really on my radar. And it was very much in, you know, going to school in Germany and having English and we had to almost like decide, do, did we want a more British or more American um, accent and, you know, all that kind of thing. And it, I just always felt drawn to the UK and I'd spent some time there and just kind of, I saw myself going and living, living in London at some point, even I think age 15, 16, I was like, I'm, I'm going to do that one day. And, and I did. And English to me was my number one favorite language mm. and especially British English was just had such just such a and I still to this day I just adore it I, lo I love all the different accents and dialects mm. and whether it's a you know the the whole of the UK really I just love Scottish accents and <laughs> Welsh accents and it's just there there is a there is just something uh that yeah I just just love it and yeah. so it was obvious that that was going to be and then I mean the, going to to university in the UK uh, from a practical point of view, mm. I wanted to do a master's. So I studied languages in Germany at a language institute that in the meantime has now also become a, you know, they do BAs and MAs and all that. But at the time they didn't. And I still wanted my MA title because mm. uh, Germany uh, very much likes a title. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. so I think things have changed somewhat uh, by now as well. But at the time it was very you know, but I just wanted that. And I knew I could do that in the UK within a year, whereas in other countries or even in Germany, I, I would have had to spend a lot more time And the UK was like, yeah, you can do it in a year. So that's what I did. And and that was your plan was just that one year, as I understood. Mm, so yeah, sounds, sounds like things <laughs> took a, a different turn. So can you walk us through kind of what happened there and how you ended up then staying for, I think you said 12 years? Yes. <laughs> so I, yeah, I mean, from a personal point of view, so I had, I was in a relationship in, in Germany. So I was kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm going to cut that year as short as possible to be back, back home. But at the back of my mind, I still had that uh, idea of living in London and I would love to, I would have still mm. loved to do that. And so I, I don't think I made any plans, but then towards the end of my year in the UK, I met my husband and um, my now husband and he, yeah, <laughs> things happened very quickly. It was kind of a whirlwind thing. So we, I went from wanting to go back to Germany to um, moving in mm. with him. Uh, we moved to London without, you know, without jobs, without a place, and and then yeah, just kind of got got um, on that whole <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> roller coaster of uh, a completely new life, basically, and um, took it from there. And then, you know, as you you explore a new city and mm -hmm. then it was all very exciting, obviously, you know, new, just had my M MA, uh, I'm in a new relationship, I'm in the city of my dreams, um, I just got a job and so, um, yeah, and, and then all of a sudden it's 12 years later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what kind of work did you end up doing there? How did you leverage your interests and skills with languages or did you do something completely different? No, I didn't. Actually, I, I mean, I was with my MA. I, I did my MA in uh, literature, uh, European literature, and I wanted to work in publishing. I wanted to work mm. with books and that kind of thing. And I, I didn't really have a plan of how to get there, but I applied to a ton of jobs in all different areas where my, you know, language school skills could come in handy. And then I, I think I applied to a publisher of hotel guides um, and they were looking for 
production assistant. They weren't even looking for a linguist or a writer, um, anything like that. And the day I, I went for my interview, their editorial manager quit. Mm. And they said, so they interviewed me and then they said, actually, I think you are probably overqualified for the for mm. the production assistant. And also, um, looking at your skills, would you be interested in editorial position? And so it was kind of like, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to do. So it, <laughs> nice. um, And so I started there. And it, I mean, that was English. So that was, and then, I mean, I obviously then... I found ways to get um, get my German and French skills in there mm. as well because they were, it was international hotel guides, so I'm, I was able to mm -hmm. to manage the international team, and so they got um, got way more than they, yeah. <laughs> they thought they would, and uh, so that was a really nice way in. And to this day, I'm just so grateful to them also for giving me that opportunity because yeah. I feel like I would not have had that in Germany because I don't think anyone not a native speaker would get an editorial position for a prestigious um, publication mm. and oversee the, the, the editorial in a language that's not the native language. So I, yeah, yeah I mean, I jumped at the chance and uh, it was a great, great way in. And I stayed with them for, on a freelance basis for a long time. That's amazing. I mean, that's, as you say, you're thankful to, for them giving you the opportunity, but obviously you mm -hmm. had, you had the skills for it. And I, it sounds like one of those right place, right time type of situations. Yep, As you said, the absolutely. day of the interview, <laughs> the opportunity yes, presented how itself. Crazy, so. <laughs> how crazy is that? And yeah, and I was very much like, yeah, of, of course I'm going to do that. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, so were there any parts of adjusting to life in the, in the UK that took you by surprise? Obviously you knew a lot about it. You, you, you know, had prepared and maybe, maybe you were more prepared than the average person making such a cultural uh, jump, but were there any parts that stuck out to you that still took a while to get used to? Um, <laughs> as you said, I was pretty well prepared, um, at least linguistically. And I always, by having spent some time there um, before, I, I knew that the mentality and all that would suit me. I loved the, I always loved the humor a sense mm -hmm. of humor and all that kind of thing. But living there is, is quite a different experience. And I, it did take me a while to get used to the way things were done in a coming from Germany, which is a very direct and very often very blunt and, you know, non, no mm -hmm. nonsense kind of culture to a country where people like to not say what they actually mean. <laughs> right. And so I had to get used to that. And in, in my own way of communicating to kind of, you know say things in a different manner so that I wouldn't come across as too direct and too blunt mm. so I knew that and I knew that the the, the English had that view of Germans as mm. well so I was aware of that and so I kind of adjusted to that but I also adjusted quite easily because uh, it suited me mm. so I'm as a person I'm not a very confrontational person so for me the German way of communicating had sometimes been really tough for me and mm. I, I you know the kind of criticism in a way that's just like in your face um I've found always found quite difficult to take so I mm. I kind of like the, the the British way of um you know saying something that doesn't sound quite so harsh I mean the intention at the end is the same <laughs> right, but, right. Um, but it's delivered in a different way so I kind of, that kind of suited me I yeah did, did you but it have, took a while it yeah. took a while did you have any challenges with kind of learning to read between the lines in the sense? I mean, maybe that's not a right way to put it. And I haven't personally lived in the UK, but I get the sense of communication style, as you say, not being direct. Maybe it'd be hard to pick up on some of those things, even if you have the best of intentions to, you know, oh, to adapt. You know? Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And sometimes in that, that same thing that I appreciate and like about it, it always drives me, mm. it still drives me mad sometimes when you just like, come on, just say what you mean. Right. <laughs> Don't do all this uh, roundabout way of, of, uh, of explaining things. But there's this chart, I don't know if you've, if you've seen it, where they, um, it's like a, a translation sheet for what an English person mm. says, <laughs> what they what they mean, and what someone else hears, and mm. it's just like whoa, <laughs> it's completely different. So right. it's excellent, and I think someone handed that to me and said, "Hey, just take a look at this." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and obviously having having a um, through my husband having access to mm. English people and having English people in my circle of friends, not just expats, not 
you know other germans but but more really english people you you do learn quite quite quickly and um and when people know you very well they they're not afraid to mince their words either so i mm. yeah i kind of found my way in but <laughs> yeah that's true it, it's a very different situation when you have the family connection and then you're able to maybe ask yep. difficult questions or get that insider mm-hmm. view that you wouldn't otherwise. And of course, build those relationships as well. So I think that makes yeah. the whole living abroad experience very different. Absolutely. But also, I mean, for I think my husband had to translate for me sometimes with, mm. it, with regards to his family where I would say something or not say something and he would just explain to them that's it's because that's because she's German. They do. <laughs> she's not going <laughs> to say it like that. Or, you know, sometimes when, when, his parents would expect something from me and it just didn't come because I didn't realize. So it does help to have some, a cultural translator, if you like. Right. Right. Uh, I mean, not to, not to dig too deeply, but I'm curious in your, uh, you know, long relationship and and marriage with your husband and such a cross-cultural context. And of course, living in his country initially, and now you're living in yet a third country Mm -hmm. to both of you. Um, Any, I don't know, advice or takeaways or anything that you could share as far as just making that work? Because I think that that's, that's <laughs> on my mind on a lot of people's minds out there. So any, any takeaways would be great to hear. So I think it's, it also changes when you have children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think that that's, that throws another um, factor into the whole equation where um, you have to, yeah, you have to be very mindful of each other's, customs and expectations and living in a third country Mm. for sure uh, makes things a a little bit easier because you're more on equal ground (laughs) so it does help um, to escape to a third one and then you can kind of you can juggle it all but um, I think it's really communication and trying to um, to share as much about your own culture with the new family as you can and not you know not everyone's willing to to take that on I mean my my the English side of my family never in our over 20 years marriage have um considered learning German I don't mm. think it wouldn't even hasn't even occurred to them right. that that might be right. nice yeah <laughs> um but that's just right. you know that's uh that's uh, that's them and that's um something I think I would have probably like if, if it were me I think I would definitely try and learn the, the language just that's to, to show some yeah and but i think that's a very english thing too because mm. you know americans and, and and english people don't necessarily need to learn another language so right. from that point of view it's just yeah so yeah. wow yeah we've been married for a while but that just never n- never occurred to them uh-huh, they were always yeah. very supportive <laughs> of, of my my children speaking german and learning german through me but they, yeah, it's just, it was kind of a separate thing for them. It wasn't like we are all in this and yeah. Yeah, I might have to discuss that with my parents and see if they'll pick up some Japanese. <laughs> you know, I, I just think for, but that's me, you know, someone who has left her home country, you know, for a couple of countries. And so to me, and and I'm a linguist. So mm, for me, right. that's a, it's a given that wherever I, I go, even if the, the next country is a, another language, I'll learn the language. Mm. Absolutely. That's just who I am. And I think if you, if you're not that person, then you don't necessarily think to do that. Yeah, no, that's very yeah. true. So, uh, you originally were in Germany, then you were in the UK and of course you went as a student and then you worked there, but at least at the time, I suppose things have changed a little bit in the intervening years, but it was a rather easy jump to make, right? You were within the, the broader European union. Um, and, Absolutely. <laughs> and so, now, yeah, let's let's go into a bit about your experience moving to the U.S. It sounds like that came through uh, your husband's job opportunity. You know, how did you think about that? It's a whole different uh, country and culture. Thankfully, I mean, maybe not for a linguist, but thankfully the same language at least. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, going into the Bay Area, I mean, that's got its own flavor and culture as well. So just walk us through kind of what that process was like to actually get mm-hmm. there and then what you experienced in those first couple months. So... Yes, it's the same language, but it's not. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, and I think because of from coming from a linguistic background, I knew that, and I was really curious to see how it was going to be different, mm. the, the language and the, the whole you know way of communicating and and all that. So, um, I would say at at the beginning, I was 
even though I was very enthusiastic about doing this, going away, it, in my mind, it was only going to be for two years, mm. maybe three. Mm. And then we would go back to the UK where I felt my life was. Mm. That's where my friends were, that, you know, my, my parents-in-law and the, the kids were born there. They had friends there. It was just, to me, it was, that's, that was home. And um, so the US was just going to be this interesting little interlude. <laughs> Right. And um and the two years went and then three years and uh yeah, we only just kind of felt like we were getting settled mm -hmm. and enjoying life because it I mean it's always moving it to a new country always takes a while. Oh, and yeah. I think maybe it's different if you know it's only gonna be a year. You know for a fact that you have your return ticket and you know we didn't have a return ticket. Mm. So we were and then after three years we decided to apply for the green card because of you know yeah. well, after two years we started the process. Just to kind of cover our basis. Mm -hmm. And so the UK kind of seemed to become more of a distant memory in a way. And even though I, I didn't think I was gonna stay in the US for the rest of my life, but it was this open-ended, turned into this open-ended thing. And so um, that was quite tough to take. And I had a real, I don't want to say identity crisis, but it was a bit of a, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm, coming, I'm going from this, having a plan and mm -hmm. knowing where home is and where I want to be to actually, I'm not sure I want that anymore. And to, then to not have a fixed plan and being open-minded, that's quite a <laughs> big change. And so I struggled with that a lot. And mm. um, yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. So then it's it's just, there's something that, that all of a sudden, and I always kind of like to know what I'm doing. I can be spontaneous in a lot of ways, but in like looking at, at life as a big picture, and it was like, oh, having all of a sudden to thinking I'm, the time difference to Europe is huge from mm. California. It's like oh, yeah. it's nine hours to Germany and it's a, makes communication really, really difficult. And, um, and then kind of thinking, okay, that's going to be my future. This is, this is going to be what it's like, not for just a limited period mm. of time, but, um, yeah, so that was, that was quite a big jump. And so sometimes I feel like I wasn't as, mm, excited about my surroundings and the things we could you know mm. experience in california because at the back of my mind i was like oh my god i need to know where where i'm gonna be right and then all of a sudden that kind of that got easier and then mm. it was much easier to live in the moment and and just enjoy it how long did that process take until that point where you'd say it became easier to enjoy mm. the situation for sure three years that first year was just took it was getting used to it all, but still thinking, oh, we're going to go back. So it was more like mm. looking at, oh, look at the way Americans do things. Oh, isn't <laughs> this crazy? And look at that. And and then oh, after a year, then you kind of, you knew you, how everything worked. You had a, like, this is, this is how life is done here. And then you kind of get into the, okay, let's enjoy this for a while. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, this is it now. This is, this is our life now right. <laughs> where the kids are settled in school and, you have a whole new rhythm to everything and then and it's like okay and now now we can actually go with the flow so but it takes yeah it takes a long time yeah for me it's been always an interesting process i always tell people that it takes at least a year to get really settled and comfortable in a place and so then mm -hmm. if you take that into account obviously your mileage may vary it could take longer or shorter but if you assume mm -hmm. a year then you want to at least stay two years if you just stay one year then you're just at that verge of getting somewhat settled and then you have to say yeah. your goodbyes which would be rough um but then yeah if you're even only doing two years then you might think well why don't we elongate this a bit more or you know and plans can always change but um I also found that in the first year, it tends to be the nice kind of, in a sense, a year of the honeymoon period. Of course, it's it can, a little honeymoon, you know, because yeah. yeah. you're not quite uh -huh. sure what's next. And as you said, it's not, it, it kind of still is open ended. And mm -hmm. also, you're seeing all the events and the festivities and the, you know, whatever's going on in town all for the first time. And then the second year, you're like, wait, yeah, we came to this last year. And it's just a, a very different mm -hmm. vibe. And so I always found, that it was, I mean, I stayed in, you know, Japan for two years, Germany for three years. And so it wasn't just mm -hmm. a year, but I also found that the second year at times there were point, there were really times where I was thinking, okay, what's, you know, looking to the future, what's next. And I'm glad yeah. here in Portugal that I don't feel that yet. It's been a year and a half and I still feel 
quite positive about being here. And it's a weird situation too, because we haven't been able to do everything we wanted to with this uh, pandemic, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's not even kind of an apples to apples comparison, but it's just, it's yeah. interesting to kind of think about how time relates to, you know, where you want to be at what point, as you said, with children, and then obviously in uh, your relationship and then with careers. And there's just so many factors that go into figuring it out. So many factors. But also, do you maybe find that because you've done it before a couple of times before as well, you're, you are much easier on yourself in terms of, Mm. you know, that feeling of like feeling settled, you know, it's going to take a while because you've done it before. And you just, because I find that that gets easier in a way because you're much more forgiving with yourself yeah. I, <laughs> I don't I, need to yeah. I cannot expect myself to feel settled after six months I just know it's not going to happen and I know it's going to take longer and the ups and downs and the looking at things um and seeing the bad side of, of right. things as well where you just um it, I think it's just you're much more realistic yeah. Once you've done that a couple of times yeah I think that's true I think I've also uh, I mean I can be more impatient maybe than the average person. And I also always try to just, you know, do things and and make it happen faster than, than probably the time, you know, that it actually requires. So it's a lot of reminding myself, (laughs) it's reminding myself, Hey, you know, remember how this takes a year. And it's, it's basically having that, try to get that voice in the back of my head and then hopefully everything comes together by then. But even now with this year and a half in Portugal and this situation, I would say there's still aspects to life here that, you know, with uh, making good friendships and things like that, that just haven't come as quickly as I would have liked. But it, you do get more comfortable rolling with the punches. Absolutely. And I I even, we had this, I had this conversation with my husband the other day. We It took us way more than a year to make friends here in Austin. Hmm. We, you know, we, we're used to going out and, and meeting people and, you know, having acquaintances and, you know, being social. But to actually make friends, it took a long time, and um, that can be really difficult. But yeah. it, like you said, I'm um, and I'm also someone who's not the most patient person with myself. And even though I had been kind of preaching to people, it takes a year. You, you need to wait a year until you even start feeling normal. I didn't. I don't necessarily listen to my own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and so I really have to be. Um, be quite ruthless with myself sometimes because Absolutely. I just expect way too much. Just thinking about kind of going from, as you were talking about first in Germany, maybe the cultural didn't fit you as well from a standpoint of the directness. And then you went to the UK mm-hmm. and it fits you a bit better. And now you go to the US where at least stereotypically people are more direct, um, you know, mm-hmm. and obviously it depends on where that, where that falls on the spectrum of Germany and the UK. But did you find that to be a bit of a shock to go back into that situation or did you find it easy to adapt to? I think I found it quite easy to adapt to because while the Americans are more open or more, more direct, uh, they also very, it's kind of a mix between um, a mix of, of German directness and and British mm. politeness because Americans are very polite mm-hmm. uh, on the whole. And I think that just they're very good at making you feel welcome and they're very positive. And even if they're direct, they're more positive. It's always, there's always that, that mm-hmm. kind of, it always gets turned into something positive. And so I really like that. I really like that. And I feel um, that as a German, I can appreciate that. It's like the, yes, I can get to the point much more quickly than I could in the UK, but I know I'm, I'm safe in a, I'm not going to get uh, a blunt you know mm. criticism right into my face that's right. just not the way things are done and so I yeah I really like the way um, things are done here at work as well hmm. and with your work did you maintain the same position in freelancing or did you find a, a job there in the U.S. how'd you do it so I yeah I, I maintained my freelance um, gig for a while right doing copywriting I and wrote for other uh, publisher as well for a while and I always worked as a translator as well so I had contacts in Germany in the UK that mm. I, I worked for but um, while I was in California I actually that went a little bit on the back burner because I felt I was spending too much time at home and mm. I wanted to go out and meet people so I I started volunteering mm. my kids were in elementary school at the time and it was very easy to find like-minded people and um 
I actually taught art hmm. uh, in elementary school for uh, three years, um, almost four years, and really, really enjoyed it. And it was kind of, it was nice because I felt like I could uh, also, I mean, Silicon Valley, the Bay Area is a very international area. Mm -hmm. So I felt like it, people were so used to someone with an, with an accent. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't a big deal, mm -hmm. me going into school and, and maybe having a different accent and coming from a different background. And yeah, so that was a really, really nice, nice way of becoming part of the community and, mm -hmm. um, you know, meeting people and yeah, have some really nice friendships from that time. How would you kind of, or how did you think about the, let's say culture of San Francisco, the Bay area? I mean, Naturally, you're coming in, and I, I don't know if that was your first kind of experience with the United States uh, in some longer capacity, but mm -hmm. you were there, and you know, San Francisco's got its own flavor, its own feel. So, in a way, it's probably it might have been easy at that time to say, "This is what the entire U.S. is like." And I don't know if you, you know, traveled around and saw different places, but I can imagine, of course, in your time since going to Austin uh, as well that you've, you know, seen some different aspects and sides of the United States. So I'm curious kind of how, how you adjusted to that and how you <laughs> feel, how you experienced it, if you enjoyed it, frankly. So I think we had a very, it was a very soft landing in the, the Bay area for us as Europeans. And as I said before, it's such an international, um, area and it's the, the, the schools there are used to families coming in and kids not speaking the language as their first language. And it, there's just, there's accommodations for everything and you find your people. And, um, so it's not, I kind of, even at the time I knew that that was not the typical, um, American experience, but then there isn't really a, because it's such a huge country that you just know that you're not going to get the same, um, set of values even the even the language to me before mm. I'm before moving to the US for me American English was just one kind of mm. accent and mm. now having lived in, in Texas <laughs> for a while I <laughs> yeah. I I yeah my ear has adjusted to picking out where people are from so it's it's interesting um so the bay area was it was great in that respect because and, and as I said earlier, we were only going to be there for a couple of years. And it's like, this is nice. You know, we perfect weather, California weather, people are nice. It's international. I can do something interesting. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the whole, the nature is amazing. We have, there's so much to do. And, um, but after, I think I noticed this fairly early on, but at the time it didn't really affect me that much because I was only going to be there for a couple of years right. <laughs> that um, I started to struggle with the uh, mm. Silicon Valley culture mm. and our school out, one of my, my girls went to this, it's a public school, but it's literally in one of the most expensive um, zip codes in the whole country. Mm. And the kids she went to school with, with were the Silicon Valley kids. They were like the Google founders kid was at that school right. and you know, everyone at the fundraisers were, mm. you know, all Apple, Facebook, mm. Google, and they were all executives. You know, these, these were all like right. people with power in, in Silicon Valley. And it it just kind of, <laughs> it felt mm. like more and more that it just wasn't the kind of environment mm. that I felt comfortable in. And I didn't really want my, my kids to mm. to be in that and um because we weren't, we were never going to be part of that. Right. <laughs> and while there, I mean, there are plenty of families who are not part of it, but it just kind of the, the whole culture and it all about making money and founding a new business and this and that. And it was, everything was just, it felt like even at school parties, you'd mm -hmm. end up talking business. This is the San Francisco like, experience. You know yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I and I'm sure there are areas where it's not as extreme, but we picked probably the most mm. extreme um area also because we we looked at wh where where are the best schools right so before we moved i looked at that's where i want to be because my kids need to be in the best school so that they can go back to the uk and not have any issues mm. and i didn't really look into why are the schools so good mm. and then realized that the schools are so good because they are funded so heavily by very affluent families and yeah. um it's not an issue you know every kid in second grade has a has an ipad and mm -hmm. it's just you know that because someone is sponsoring it and right. and that the discrepancy between that and then you know 10 miles down the road is is a completely um it's the opposite yeah you know, families with nothing and 
that's just that's become so much more extreme in in um, the Bay Area that I just felt less and less comfortable with it. Hmm. So when we were starting to kind of think about moving back to Europe or going somewhere else, that I mean that was a big part of it. Hmm. That d- decision making process. So then, of course, you ended up staying, but in a different city, moving to a different city in the U.S. So how did that come about, and what was that uh, culture shock like within the U.S.? That was a massive culture shock. So up until I think probably six months before moving to Austin, I had said, I mean, if there's one place I'm not going to move to in the U.S., it's Texas. I'm not going to go to Texas. <laughs> you cannot, you know. I think I, I still, my, my sister still remembers this this conversation. <laughs> Like I'm, you know, yeah, gotta be kidding me. I mean, that's that. No, that's not gonna happen. So maybe you know, maybe New York, Boston area, right. but that's uh, and yeah. And I'm, my husband was looking at. He actually had some people had had been contacting him and seeing where if he was willing to move. And and then this very exciting opportunity came up in Austin. And um, yeah, he uh, <laughs> we spent a few weekends. Um, and I mean, you've been to Austin. Mm-hmm. It's not what you expect Texas to be like. So yeah, it's it's more I like I got open and I, progressive. Yeah, and yeah. so I spent a few weekends just checking it out, and I thought, you know what, this is actually really a really cool place. And yeah, well, let's give it a go. the The job was good for him, and I felt like I can carry on doing what I'm doing because mm-hmm. I'm freelancing, and I'm just going to find some other. Um, position where I can go out and meet people and I'll be fine. I've done this a couple of times. I can, I can do it. Right. And so, yeah, we, we packed our bags and, (laughs) and I mean, I'm still to this day, I think it's, it feels kind of crazy to say (laughs) I live in Texas, but I mean, there is something, I guess, and, and not that I, so I did four years in university there in Austin, but it's not like I, Mm -hmm. I saw the rest of Texas that much. I mean, we took a little weekend trip here or there with friends, but Really, it was in and around Austin. Oh, I'm too scared. So, <laughs> I'm too scared to leave Austin. <laughs> yeah, but it's, you know, it is, uh, as you said, it's quite different from maybe your initial impression from just the general idea or stereotype of Texas. But was it ultimately better than that stereotype? I mean, it's, I, I guess because obviously part of your story is thinking about, you know, going back to the UK and now you're back in, in mm. Austin. I'd like to dig into that a bit and just see if it matched your ultimate expectations based on your visits there. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, it's, yeah, it, it's not, I want to say it's not the typical Texas, although I'm, I, I feel a little bit underqualified mm-hmm. to say what the real Texas is like, because it's, I haven't really explored it too much. As I said, I'm too scared of leaving, <laughs> especially at the moment with uh, the COVID yeah. numbers and, um, right. and the poli- and the politics in this state are still, mm. it's, yeah, it's Austin is, is trying to be different Hmm. and but it's ultimately it's it's um the politics are the same in the whole Hmm. of texas so we Hmm. i feel that the people here are are still are still different so i've always felt more amongst like-minded people but you can feel the the influence so it's very Hmm. i mean texans are incredibly proud to be texan right and i think more so than probably other um americans and other states it's just a it's like the and I've said this on podcasts before, they're like the Bavarians mm, mm, right. <laughs> in that they are Bavarian first and a Texan first before mm. they're American. And so that that's a very, so we learned very quickly not to say we moved from California mm. and uh, mm. there's a big, I mean, Texas, California is a huge, there's a huge, um, on either side, I think, uh, Texans don't like Californians mm. and Californians don't like Texans. So there's, there's that kind of thing. Mm. And with Austin becoming, uh, the new Silicon Valley mm-hmm. in a way as mm-hmm. it, yeah, Californians have a very bad reputation in mm. this town and it's, it's very tiresome mm. for, you know, someone who's not from Austin and also not from California, but it, it is a thing. Mm. And, um, so yeah, we, we learned very quickly to say we're we're from London. <laughs> well, it's probably yeah accepted quite a bit more openly and interested, <laughs> yeah. like interested, well, in, you know, kind of oh, it's right. yeah, and uh, and still, I mean, when we moved, like almost no, it's about five years ago. Um, the 
it was not very international here. Hmm. So for me, that was uh, was a bit of a shock, really, to to be the the people not understanding me, my accent hmm. and um, people making fun of my kids' accents at school. And so there was some, you know, jarring hmm. experiences like that where you're just like, ah, uh, there are a lot of people here who've never left right. Texas, right? And so that was to me that was a very new experience to California. Yeah, that would be. Um, yeah, yeah. So that was that was difficult in some ways. Also nice because I mean people are always interested, and you know, it, as you, you yourself come across, people will welcome you or not. I mean, it depends very much on how you how you present yourself. And but it took a huge effort when we moved here to go out and meet people and mm. kind of break into very established um, situations if you want. So we, it wasn't like moving to Silicon Valley where they used to new European families moving in every day. And it was not like that at all. So we moved also towards the end of the school year or kind of in mm. the middle. And it was, it was just tough. People were not like welcoming us or being necessarily yeah. very inclusive. And so I, it was a, it was hard work to get, to get into that system. Yeah. So then I have to ask, why did you decide to take a break? <laughs> And how did did it all, I guess it's probably not a a better way to ask it, but if you could just kind of walk us through the thought process and um, how it all went. It's kind of that whole whole experience of uh, exhausting myself Hmm. completely, trying to fit into Texas life or Austin life, um, just took it out of me. Hmm. And I think at the time I was very much like, let's, should we move in the US or should we just go back to the, to the UK or Europe in general? Because I'm kind of tired after six weeks, uh, six years in California, after six years in California, I was just tired of not seeing my family and not and the di- time difference and all that. And I was like, you know what, maybe it's time to go back. But my husband wasn't really, his career was going really well mm. and he was really enjoying working in the US and which I completely understand too because and as I said before it's like it's a very uh, it's a much more direct and open way of of like doing business everything is the the lifestyle Mm -hmm. it's just there's so many reasons and he just couldn't really see us going back to the Mm. UK and working in London and commuting and spending you know three or four hours of your day on a train and and the weather and everything and so and I was still like no let's let's do it I just I can't deal with Hmm. Austin and then having having had that experience of just finding it really difficult to get settled here and and you know meeting people and there's some issues with school and it was just you know what I'm just (laughs) I need to go back home I need to go home (laughs) And so we did, and we did actually move back into our old house in the UK, which we had kept. Um, oh, cool. And which I thought was going to be the easy way hmm. because I thought, oh, great. I'm just, I know where everything is. I know I've got friends who live around the corner yeah. and it's just, you know, slotting back into where I used to, to live. And the the reality of it was very different. Hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, uh, um, I think... I wouldn't not probably, I wouldn't do that again. I wouldn't go back to a place that I'm, I was in before because uh, six years is a long time. Hmm. And if you go back to a place that you, you remember in a certain way and it's changed and you yourself have changed, it's just, there's a lot of clashing factors and it's might work for some people, but it didn't really work for us. Hmm. And how, how soon did you know that it wasn't working? (laughs) Oh, I, I was, I was trying my hardest to make it work and um, I probably about eight months. Hmm. And obviously, and we talked about this before, I, again, wasn't very patient with myself. I, right, right. <laughs> it's, it's that I hadn't reached the year mark and probably you always need to wait a year until you even make a decision. Hmm. Hmm. But I didn't. And so, uh, you know, things are, I've, I've come to accept that that's just, those decisions were made and we moved hmm. back and forth and, um yeah I just decided I couldn't do that and then work-wise um I had kept doing translation work Mm. and I was getting I was doing more and more of that um because I hadn't quite 
didn't quite know how to do the whole going out and finding a job in the UK because I'd been doing that in the US and, you know, going and finding even volunteer work. I wasn't at that point where I could do that. So I spent a lot of time on my own at home Mm. at my desk. Right. And which probably wasn't very helpful in, Mm. (laughs) you know, meeting people. And even even going back to, to old friends, it wasn't like everyone was like oh yeah you're back it was yeah. just everyone had had moved on and everyone was busy and it, so um yeah that was a lot harder than expected yeah but what i mean what a great learning though i mean and and i think you can oh, probably yeah. also say whatever you decide to do next which is obviously to go back to austin eventually y- you have more confidence in that decision or d- at least clarity that maybe the next step after whatever that is wouldn't be back to london again Yep. And I tell you what, when we, so when we moved back to Austin after a year, it, I, I was able to look at it in a completely new way. I wasn't, I knew it was going to be, it was going to take time. And I knew that I didn't want that exhaustion Mm. again. And I wouldn't, and I knew I would have to look at it differently. And I did. And it was just my, my mindset had changed. Mm. And so coming back to Austin was like, okay, let's give this another shot. And I approached things very differently. And it's been, it's been a really good experience so far, as opposed to the first time. What would you say mm-hmm. is the sort of some of the main things that you've done to approach it differently? What, what maybe mindset changes or behavioral changes did you make to try to make it really work this time? So one thing is just to be patient and to really work at that and give yourself time and not what I had done before. Every time I moved, I would throw myself completely into everything, finding, you know, decorating the house, finding Mm. everything, getting activities for everyone sorted, all that kind of thing, just keeping myself so busy that I didn't really have time to process or to get sad or anything like Mm -hmm. that I was just like keep just kept going and going and going but that's it's just not sustainable Mm -hmm. so I realized doing that is not the right approach it might stave off homesickness and depression and all those kind of things where you think oh I'll deal with that at some point but at some point it's going to come and so I've I've learned to take things at a more you know a slower pace and to to give myself time and, and give myself time to do nothing as well, to just, right. <laughs> you know, not rush from one place to the other and just say, look, this can wait. And um, and to sometimes also just live with those situations. And w- when you are sad or when you're like, this is not working out or I'm really struggling to actually sit down and say, yes, I'm really struggling and I'm going to sit in this and mm. feel uncomfortable and mm. learn to be uncomfortable. I think that's the main the main thing because we're so used to making everything work and Mm. being happy and this is great and this place is fun everyone says this is (laughs) this is fun and I should be doing this and that and you know you you could just you can overwhelm yourself with just trying to make make it a reality and then but actually learning to be uncomfortable Hmm. and to to just ride it out in a way, you know. Yeah. Um that's the biggest thing. Just take take time to process things and not wait for it all to crash crash down at some point <laughs> i think i'm still learning these yeah. lessons so good for me to hear it from you <laughs> oh it's yeah and it's hard it's hard to to do in in you know to actually follow through with it sometimes because the temptation is to just keep yourself so busy mm-hmm. and it's it's easy you can always do stuff there's yeah. always things to do that you haven't done yet and you need to whether it's exploring your surroundings or getting your house ready or whatever it is there's always something to do but to actually take that time um and then i mean the other big thing is to not wait for other people to approach you to become i had phases when i was very kind of disappointed in the lack of effort by other people and i spent a lot of time dealing with that and being kind of annoyed even sometimes Mm -hmm. and thinking why is so and so not not calling me or why have i not and then i i turned that around um, especially when we lived back in the UK and I felt like, why is my friend who lives like two streets that way? Why is she not inviting me around for dinner? You know, things mm. like that. And then I just turned it around and I was like, no, it's me who needs to, mm. I, if it bothers me, then I need to make the effort. And then if I don't get anything back, then okay, then I just have to let it go probably. But I can't sit there waiting for other people to help me out of my 
dark place. It, right. it has to be me. And so the, the being proactive and not have any expectations. Right. Um, that's the other thing I want I want to say. That's a huge part of being happy and, and <laughs> yeah. coming, coming out of your shell. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I was curious because you mentioned that you had a learning going back to, to the UK that maybe you wouldn't want to go back to a place that you lived before, but of course you went then back to Austin. So was that, I mean, of course, I assume it was something related to the job and, and, and so on and so forth. But, you know, how did you think about it? Yes, practicality one, but also I think in a way, uh, deep down, I I don't like to be defeated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I felt like I'm, I don't want this place to be a negative memory. You know, I don't want to think, oh, I couldn't handle Austin. So right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to conquer Austin. And I'm gonna make it work, and I give it. I'm gonna give it a better shot than last time. And if it still doesn't work out, then at least I've tried. But mm. I felt like I hadn't really tried um, to to do it properly the first time. I guess um, I tried, but in in a lot of wrong ways. I think so. I I think I just wanted to turn it into a more positive experience as well, as much as anything. But yeah, but I mean practicality and mm. house and, and all that <laughs> kind of thing. That that was yeah. Yeah, and there were still things I wanted to do and learn about um, Austin and Texas. So. Have you been to the state fair yet? <laughs> been to the rodeo. <laughs> okay, well, that's that's good enough. <laughs> I think you've learned enough about Texas then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So kind of where do you see yourself going in the next years? Maybe it's hard to say now, but it sounds like you've managed to to make it work quite well in, in Austin. And obviously you had the experience to learn that maybe going back to the UK straight away uh, wasn't the right, you know, call for you at that time. Yeah. So what do you think is kind of around the corner for you? Who knows? <laughs> it's a yeah. very good question. I think, um, I've definitely gone from being someone with a more defined plan, life plan of where I want to be. I've, I've become someone who's much more open-minded and, um, I, I really don't know. I think the idea is to, um, spend a few more years and possibly, yeah, in in Austin for sure for another few years. I don't know if we're going to stay in the US mm-hmm. once we're done with Austin. Um, I think at the moment we're we're wait. My my younger daughter's finishing high school, so she has another few years of high school ahead of her. And um, depending on how that goes, the next couple of years, um, it's been it's been really difficult politically, school mm. funding, and all that kind mm. of thing. And if if mm. it, so we've we're kind of just we're going to wait and see and so we'll be here for another few years possibly but i think after that the pull is to go back to europe mm-hmm. um for both of us with um we, and we've just come back from a month um well i i was there for a month my husband for two weeks to see parents mm. friends and family and um we do want to be closer to them mm. it's been I think this last year was just really difficult. I always had at the back of my mind, if if I can get on a plane at any time to go back and see my my parents, then it doesn't matter whether I'm away, from, um, I'm like a ten hour flight away or a right. two hour flight away. Right. But um, last year was just too difficult to, mm. to travel, and it was too risky and too too complicated and and then expensive too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's just shown us how that's not always an option. And I think with our parents getting older and mm-hmm. it's just such valuable time yeah. that we have that, yeah, I would like to be closer, but I'm not ruling out um, keeping a base here in the U S <laughs> either, because it's become part of me. It's become part mm. of our family. My kids, I think feel very American actually. <laughs> um, and so I don't know where they, where they're going to end up. And so it's, I've had to become someone who's very open when it comes to uh, the future. I, who knows? And I I can see us having maybe a couple of places. <laughs> yeah, no no reason so just to knows? pick one. Yeah. <laughs> Portugal is is on on our list of good good possible um, <laughs> recommended. <laughs> yeah. It's neutral it's neutral ground for 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 us. It's cuz we at the moment we can't we love we love to visit the UK and Germany too, but we can't at the moment we can't see us living mm. living there. So it'd be nice to have another <laughs> neutral ground. Yeah, yeah and on that point just curious uh how it's been or how would you say it's been I guess from your perspective for your children growing up in 
these different countries and making move here and there and across different school systems and languages and cultures. Like, and as you say, now they've adapted to this kind of American culture. So it's interesting, would be interesting mm-hmm. just to hear about uh, what their experience has been like from your perspective. You know, uh, yeah, you'd probably have to ask them. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but uh, I think it's been, it's been really, really tough on them, mm-hmm. especially moving uh, between countries and school systems. Uh, especially the move back to the UK and then back to Austin. That's like middle and high school years, Mm -hmm. which is huge. And it's, that's not, that's just a really tough time to move, whether it's to the next city or to another country, I think for, for a young person. So they've definitely uh, felt that that was very, very hard. Um, I want to say that they both feel they're not completely defined by one place so they definitely have a sense of having roots in different places and they definitely feel that connection to the uk and into germany too mm. um so who knows they might end up in one of those places at some point who yeah i've i've no idea but they they are not completely american and i feel it's going to benefit them in the long term just going to a new place because mm. they've done it before, because they've been the new person and they know what it feels like. They know how hard it is. Um, I think it'll be, they might not realize it at the mm. time, you know, as a, as a 15 year old, I don't think you, you realize the benefits of yeah. <laughs> experiencing different yeah. cultures, but I think um, eventually it will be, uh, it'll be a great asset for them. I mean, yeah. they both already appreciate the fact that they can speak, in effect, three languages because they can both speak, they can speak British, English, American English, mm. and German. Yeah. And so they, that, they, I think they're already very aware of how special that is. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, it'd be great just to hear a bit about where our listeners can find out more about you and what you're doing. And of course, the blog, the podcast and all that good stuff. Yes, I so I started blog when we moved to the US and it's called uh, Transcontinental Overload. Um and I I initially just started that as a kind of diary for my friends and family so that they could read up on what we were doing and my, you know, observations about the the weird and wonderful Americans. <laughs> and um and then that turned into much more of a just observations about culture and cultural differences and, uh, you know, the focus, like I said earlier, like Silicon Valley, what, um, you know, the different values and how I didn't agree or did agree. And then um, I kind of, I kept it going. Some years I wrote less and other years I wrote more. And then last year, just before uh, the COVID pandemic, I launched a podcast Mm also called transcontinental overload and the the link is also on the website because i felt like i wanted to share other people's stories i didn't want to just write about my own experience i wanted to talk to others other expats because it's always so interesting and beneficial for everyone to a to share their story but also to listen to other people's stories Mm. and feel like oh i'm not alone and these you know observations and and experiences i have are I can share them and other people can listen and feel understood or feel like, Oh yes, thank goodness. I thought it was just me. Right. (laughs) And, and I, I feel like it's helped me also to look at, um, this, this whole life in a different way. Mm -hmm. You know, you kind of, you see different perspectives. So that's why I launched the, the podcast and, um, I've just taken a little break from it, but I'm about to get started again. Nice. interviewing people and my my next project is actually talking to to tck's mm. so the third culture kids mm. um just like my own kids having been dragged around the world <laughs> by their parents and what it's right. like for them so that's my kind of my new my new project that i'm starting cool yeah we'll definitely put links to all of that in the show notes thank you so much again yeah i have a facebook page transcontinental overload and uh, and in my instagram is overloaded steph so you can find me on that and I, I publish the odd stories and posts and links to the, you know, the current episodes and all that kind of stuff. I'm trying to conquer Twitter as well, but I, I haven't, I haven't been very consistent. <laughs> it takes time, all that, the podcasting. And so with working and, you know, and, and a podcast, as you know, takes 
takes a lot of time lot and effort time. and uh, which it's also it's great fun but sometimes it's other things have to come first and so sure. yeah awesome well thank you so much it's been a pleasure hearing your story and i'm really glad to be able to share it with everyone today look forward to keeping in touch if you enjoyed today's episode please take a minute and give us a five-star review on itunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts It helps new listeners find us and lets us know that we are putting out content that you appreciate. You can quickly find out where and how to rate us at ratethispodcast.com slash expatempire. If you know anyone who would appreciate this podcast, please tell them about it so we can continue growing the global expat empire community. Keep up to date on new expat empire podcast episodes by pressing the subscribe button in the podcasting app of your choice. You can also visit expatempire.com and sign up for our newsletter to get our free ebook, Top 10 Tips for Moving Abroad, right now. We are also on Facebook and Instagram at Expat Empire, so be sure to follow us there. We are currently offering free consulting calls to discuss your moving plans and how Expat Empire can help you to achieve them. Please visit our website to schedule your call today. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode in the coming weeks.